Uh, that was neat. Like that one? Yeah, I like the other one better, I think, but that one's yeah, all right. That's good. Uh, so here we are. It's episode 51. This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacey. We're back. It's uh, It's been a while since we did a show now. House. It's been a while since we did a house pod. Yeah, because we did the uh, the 50th show. Thanks again to Don Johansson, Chad Bestbug for being on uh, the 50th. We had a hell of a time. That was a lot of fun. And our friends at Smith Built. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks to Brian Hansen and the boys. That's a beautiful building. Isn't it sweet? Yeah, that's awesome. It's really awesome. So we got a really kick-ass show there. And uh, and uh, here we are now back at the house, back at the house pod. HQ. HQ. Just uh, got some KD on the way over here. Some KD at HQ. I'm excited. I'm gonna be we're going to have to take a break here. We're like 30 seconds in, but we're going to have a break <laughs> for some KD. We can, we can KD in as we go. It's a Sunday. It's no, then you're going to hear like... <laughs> trying to eat do you chew with your, oh, do you look, chew, it's, it's just do you chew with your mouth open it just derived oh man i don't know what to say here. we can it's, we can just we'll, we'll get we'll get through this it's only like not very long we have to go okay through. hold on we'll hold that it's probably too hot to eat anyway yeah, you, you want to burn your mouth i hate when you that's like one of the worst things ever is when you burn the roof of your mouth <laughs> it sucks like you know what i hate even worse tim hortons and their shitty sandwiches that wreck the top of your mouth with the crusty ass you don't bread. like toast no it's gonna be like mediocre okay my toast they, your mouth is pretty soft, then. Yeah. Well, why would it be hard? Like my, I, I don't like stuff <laughs> like that, but like it doesn't like hurt my mouth to the point. Like I like toast, toasted stuff, like toasted subs. We, all, we, we've had this debate before. Yeah, just no, I'm not a toasted guy. No, that's fine. You do, you dude. Not a your big first. Fan. The first problem you have there though is getting food at Tim Hortons. Well, yeah, I guess. Eh? Like Tim Hortons, like the only good thing at Tim Hortons is the coffee, and it's still not that good. Well, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> I don't even drink the coffee, man. I'm a tea guy. Big tea I've been, guy. I've been hot on the tea lately. You said that the other yeah. day. You're big, getting him to be a big getting tea Getting heavy guy. on it. It's good. I like it. It's tasty. Tea is good, though. It I is even good had stuff. A, I even had a, uh, had a tea before my little party I had the other day. Oh, really? Pre-game. A little, a little cup of peppermint? Nope. I'm just strictly Earl Grey with some French vanilla. It's like a poor man's London fog. <laughs> <laughs> but you said you've actually been on the fogs lately, though. You're getting into it. Yeah, they're good. They're good. And some lattes. I go to at school if I get a coffee I get like a nice vanilla latte or something. Speaking of speaking of uh of London Fogs, Starbucks much better than Tim Hortons on the London Fog. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Tim yeah. Hort- the Tim Hortons fog, it's just it's pretty crappy. Starbucks also I'm really hitting on Tim Hortons today. They're uh I'm sorry. Starbucks breakfast sandwiches are legit. Tim Hortons or Starbucks? No, Starbucks. We They're had, so good. We had two this morning on the way home. Two Tim Hortons sandwiches or two Starbucks just sandwiches. Two of them. We had a gouda and the double smoked bacon from starbucks it was delicious yeah they ha- i like the the, it was ham, on a croissant. the ham and swiss one. Oh yeah that one's my fave well you know when you live downtown <laughs> like yourself when you're part of the downtown division you're gonna end up getting on a few of the fancier Ooh, fi- you're gonna get into some of the I'm finer things of life yeah i've been indulging wacy is culture you should, see the, you should see the places Senses. i go to now he's fancy <laughs> mcdonald's <laughs> <laughs> confession i ordered mcdonald's today skip the dishes <laughs> oh that's rough okay so today first day of the pbr world finals this podcast we're recording this way out way out but we got to like plan ahead you know we got to look at a calendar busy sometimes. guys got stuff going on haven't even started the cfr yet but today like we you know as we're recording this the cfr hasn't started but actually it's over when we're publishing this congrats to all the winners yeah <laughs> congrats hope you got you know 
What a CFR. Oh, it was awesome. Okay, so PBR World Finals though today starts off. Who do you got for the world champ? I got Jess. You got Jess? Yeah. Just Man. with just with how dominant he's been on the riding heartbreak the, kid. Riding and I guess high end bulls. It's been he's riding those high end bulls, going for the round wins. He's four hundred and ninety six points back, but it's isn't it two hundred and fifty world points around? Mm-hmm. And then twelve fifty for the average or something like it's a bunch it's a of lot. points at the yeah. world final. So five is uh, so six rounds is fifteen hundred plus that. So it's like thirty seven fifty on the points. Yeah, and I think he he's gonna, like points. the way he's riding and like he's gonna roll into Vegas like he did last when he tied something won the world and win the mm-hmm. first three rounds. Yeah, it's true. And then dominated. Yeah, riding percentage sixty four percent. And that's the highest, isn't it? He's been uh, he's been against. He's got on a hundred and three bulls. What is it right here? 103 bulls road 66. Yeah. Lemay's been on 126 road 74. That and he's a pile he, he's of road. He's road. Whoa. They tw- that's Felisco, an all the PBR. Felisco tweeted out a, a stat too that mm-hmm. Lockwood's road 14 of like 18 championship round bulls or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, wow. He, he converts in those those high pressure and those, those good bulls. So. Just one of our guys right here, Dakota Butter's been on 95 bulls and road in 49, 52%, mm-hmm. which is still really solid. Dakota going to his fourth world finals. That's and awesome. We got to amend our list based on the podcast because we had Dakota in our 10th spot last week, but we totally messed a few, missed a few guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Robinson was one. He ended up being split in 10th. Had a few. We missed. I missed a Canadian title and then points for John Dodds. Uh, I I already said Bob Robinson. Bob won the NFR in 1962. Won the, won the average of the NFR. Nice. That's badass. Uh, another thing, Wade Joyal had three PBR World Finals qualifications. He told me. I was talking to him on Facebook. He told me they had three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl Mills had another PBR World Finals qualification in 94. Mm. The year they started the PBR, Slide he's one of the members. So that solidifies his number one position. Yeah, absolutely. But then again, it's kind of like he gets 20 points for making this and another 20 or 10 for making the World Finals where... In Cody's time, he didn't have the PBR, so he might not have had the chance to get those other points. But still, Daryl's number one. Just relative to... Yeah, still, yeah. we got Daryl number one. Mm-hmm. So, that's the list. That's the list. You know, we, I guess we could run down again. Do you want to run down again? No. Tanner what? Byrne, we missed on the show, too. Yeah. He wasn't in there in mm-hmm. the beginning. Uh, finished eighth in the world, and he finished 15th in, in a year on each side of that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean... That's the thing. We've had a little bit of discussion afterwards about people thinking that we should count the CFR and nothing against anyone else, but we, that wasn't our intention. We weren't counting the top guys no. that make the CFR a number of different times. You, you, if you're going to put any points on it, I'd put two points on it, but then I got to find the, the stats on that, mm-hmm. which has not been very easy to find because you go through, I'd have to go through all the programs and have to find results. I don't even know where the hell I would find results for the CFRs for previous yeah, years. Yeah, you don't. So, well, and then like, and it's not going to make much difference. Well, we think. we had we had two guys who are Canadian champions and competed at New Year's yeah. CBRs, CFRs and say, "Don't need to count it." There you go. Yeah. So I'll stop worrying about that, and uh, that's the list. So, well, so. Back and then back to our original question: Who do you got for the PBR? Oh, I think man, I'd like to see Jess win, but I think I got to go with Leme. Just I just think that guy mm-hmm. rides really well, and uh, you know nothing against Jess. Like I. He, I'd, I'd love to see him win too. I just, mm. if I'm going to pick somebody, I think Lemay's in the, in the lead and he'll probably stay on all his Hold bulls it. and win, yeah. I think. Yeah. We can't see the athlete that guy either, is. Though. Yeah. Outlaw, but the thing with the world finals, though, is he's, you know, Outlaw, he is. He's like, just go back up to the top. Over a thousand points out, isn't he? Yeah. 1,495. So 
that's a pretty big deficit to mm-hmm. erase at the world finals. I guess you got to count on those other two guys not doing that. They got to they got to fall off everything yeah. really, those right? Two, those are two guys to get make going, up fifteen hundred points. Yeah, and those, Chase has got to win the average and got to win some rounds. Like it's a pretty big feat to get to yeah, erase that kind of deficit for sure. It'll be it'll be I it'll be a, a sweet it'll race. be a sweet race. Like it's yeah, pretty tight. But like yeah, and like Lemmy has two full round wins of room to play with here, and I mean Jess is going to draw. You know, he might. I don't know what's going to happen, man. It's going to be, awesome. be exciting. Yeah, for sure. It's it's always fun to watch. And cool stat follow. here on the PBR though: the top four guys in the world have all made over four hundred thousand dollars. That's year. amazing. Yeah, isn't that wild? Those guys are getting paid in right? regular season earnings, mm-hmm. and then all the top ten have made at least a hundred thousand. Uh, all but two have made over at least two hundred thousand dollars. Dylan Swearingen wins Edmonton. He's number eleven in the world. Makes the NFR. How crazy is that for that guy? He said, he's been on, he said he's been on over 200 bullets this That's year. That's crazy. Isn't that insane? And he's been relatively healthy. And he rode cool. a bunch of bucking horses too. He said this is as healthiest he's ever been. He told me that last night. Healthiest he's he ever been. He rides good, that kid. Uh, impressively good. Yeah. And could win Canada too. Mm. Who's your pick for Canada for a Canadian title here? Uh, I got Dakota. Dakota, you think so? Uh-huh. Man, I want to see Jared win. I, want, I, I would be so happy to see Jared win, but just yeah. given like how dominant Dakota is here... But it's all going to come down to the finals. It's oh, so for tight sure. Now. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And like Jared's probably going to make the world finals. Well, you'll know this week because you're probably <laughs> listening, following along. But he might get to ride at the world finals as an alternate. Mm-hmm. And then what else, man? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I got, I, I you got, got, you I got, got Dakota. Dakota. Dakota yeah. Okay, I'm going to go Jared. So you okay. got number one in Canada for winning. I got number one in the world to win. You got number two in the world. I got number two in Canada. Okay, that's good. What I else like do we have in our... Let me look at the Canadian standings here again. Well, like, like, um, Shay's like really close still. Yeah, Shay's right there. Yeah. He's still third. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't think Shay's gonna ride all four bulls at the finals. No, that's what I, I mean. Like, if you yeah. were to give me someone to go to into a weekend like that and ride four ride bulls, four it's bulls, gonna be probably. Dakota or maybe Jared though. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you don't even right? like those. Are the other. Those two out of those two, like, yeah, out of the top five or those top three, top three, yeah, yeah, those are the two guys who are more likely to do it. And it, and it's we're just going off numbers here. Shay's been to been to forty two events, and technically that counts reentry. So he's he's technically had forty two entries at events. He's gone twenty four for seventy, which is thirty four percent. Dakota's been to twenty three events. He's gone twenty five for thirty nine, which is sixty four percent. Parson has been to thirty four events. He's thirty six for sixty two, riding at a fifty eight percent rate. Yeah, so that's just proofs in the pudding right there. Just the numbers. I'm just going numbers mm-hmm. wise. Parsonage and Butter are more likely to ride four bulls, hundred percent, in Saskatoon than Mark. So. Uh, then you got Dalen Swergen, been to eight events. He's nine for 16, 56%. Jordan Hansen, number five, 20 for 33, 60%. Now, he's another guy who can do that too. Oh, yeah. The way Jordy And rides. with the way, the way how, but the only thing with that is he's still 900 points yeah. back. Like yeah. That's a bit, that's quite a bit more to go back. Mm-hmm. I think this is mostly a two-man race. because you, sure. you still do have the 250 points around, but like in the 1250 average, but like everybody else has got to do, they've got to finish 500 points behind you. Like you got to, it's well, it's Dakota same. and Jared have to like buck off two bulls it's, uh, yeah, they only got a, the, the max they can ride is two and they got to not place in the round everybody else got to win probably ride three or four yeah it's gonna be and the likelihood of that happening is very low like you said with i think with like with, with the world, world finals, yeah like yeah. the likelihood of jess and and jose not striding anything or very very unlikely, very right? unlikely yeah yeah so uh so that's that those couple things um i guess that kind of one one more thing we want to talk about we're just doing this whole first piece and we're gonna go right into our interview this week which are actually coming from the CFR. So these are all part of the show. So thanks for everybody for being part of the show this week at the CFR. Appreciate you being there. These are all our interviews coming from there, uh, from the from the CFR Athlete Hot Stoves, hosted by me. Are you guys going to have a hot stove? Stoves. 
Uh, that would be me. Are you the hot stove? I'm the hot stove. <laughs> you got a t-shirt that they, says hot stove on I it? I think they made that off of my last name. I think that's what they're going for because my name's Stoven. Pretty sure that's what they're Makes up to. It, it adds up. It tracks. So there's that and there's this, but the Pazabon Foundation, no, the night before the PBR finals, how about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, the sportsman dinner. Yeah. It's going to be dandy, isn't it? Yeah. It'll be sweet. There's going to be some... Uh, Curtis Decision's going to be there. Yep. And then some of the top PBR Canada guys. Kelly Taylor, Kelly the comedian. Ta- exactly, yeah. He's going to be a dandy. I've never heard him, but I'm sure he's going to be... He's supposed to be really funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's so gonna it's going to be, be, be a really fun night. Good way to raise some money for the foundation and get together with some people and mm-hmm. do some mingling. Yeah. Some networking. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Thanks, everybody, for supporting the event. If you haven't got tickets yet, check them out. PBR Canadian, Canadian Finals is going to be a dandy, too, so mm-hmm. make sure you get dialed in for that one. It's going to be awesome, but here's our uh, interview for the week. Thanks for listening. This is episode number 51 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. Bust it. Hello, everyone. These are the uh, Canadian Finals Rodeo Athlete Hot Stoves, day number one, CFR 46. Thanks to everyone for showing up this morning here. We got uh, our three guests, and they're all the world champions from 2016. I'd like to introduce over on our right, to my right, your left, 2016 PRCA world champion saddle bronc rider, Mr. Zeke Thurston. How's it going? Thanks for coming, coming uh, down, thanks Zeke. Thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Going to be a fun morning here. We're going to BS a little bit and uh, and uh, have a bit of fun. Get it, introduce everyone to uh, to you guys a little bit more and uh, and and this being the CFR's seventy fifth anniversary, I thought what better way with the theme being history today than bring on the three guys who I think brought greatest moment in Canadian rodeo history for you guys to all three win win the world the same year. I think that's the greatest stamp in Canadian pro rodeo history. So what a better way to start off than having you three here in the middle. We've got. Mr. Jeremy Bueller is a two-time and reigning Canadian champion, 2017 and 2018. Also, the 2016 world champion healer, Mr. Jeremy Bueller. Hello. Fear the beard, right? Where's those t-shirts? I thought you might have brought some with you. No, I don't. I think they're done. Yeah. Oh, it's over now? Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, sh- I shaved and then it was gone. And yeah, then it's they, gone? They but disappeared, you, yeah. <laughs> so how long, how long has this one been? Like, where are we at on this beard right now? I want to say this one's maybe two months. Two months worth? Yeah. Okay. This is like t- two months too. Been working on it. You too, Zeke? Yeah. <laughs> and all on our right, he's a four-time Canadian uh, Canadian champion, the 2016 world champion header, Mr. Levi Simpson, from just up the road in Pinocchio, Alberta. Thanks for coming, Levi. Thanks for having me here. So I want to start first question off with you here, Levi. Uh, you've been to, I want to say, is it? this is your 10th CFR this year already, isn't it? It's 11, 11th now, yeah. Yeah, so 11 CFRs, four-time Canadian champion. The first Canadian title was in 2011, and the last one was last year with Jerry here. And the money's changed a few times, and I think there's somebody in this crowd here that we got to thank for that. Yes, yeah, sir. The, I mean, the, the first time I came to the Canadian finals was 2009. Um, I had an ex- extremely good finals, uh, and I think I won a total of $9,000. So to be able to come here the last two years um, and have equal money in the team room has been amazing. There's been a huge group of guys behind that. And uh, I mean, Jeff Robson's one of the biggest instigators in that. And the support of all the other the other events and, and timed event 
and rough stock reps that that backed us the last few years trying to get that pushed through has been amazing. Jeremy, let's talk about your experience here at the CFR and uh, and how that money's changed for you as well to be able to make this a real living for a guy. Yeah, kind of like Levi said, um, the first year that I made it, I mean, we didn't light the finals on fire or anything, but I think we made same deal, nine or 11,000, somewhere in there. And we thought that was pretty good at that time. And then, um, you know, last year, we kind of snuck into the finals at the last rodeo and ended up winning the whole deal. I think we won 53,000 or something. And it's actually taken it from the first year that we started roping. Everybody kind of joked about, oh, well, he's roping for a living, ha, 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 sort of thing, to now the last few years we actually have been roping for a living and able to, you know, get a place bought and, you know, get ahead financially. And Yeah, there's a lot of guys to thank that have uh, put in timeless hours helping that and making that possible. And Zeke, this is your fifth CFR this year, and all three of you are world champions and these two guys are Canadian champions, but that's one thing that's eluded you in your career so far. Yeah. It, um, I've come pretty close a few times. I've been the bridesmaid, but hopefully, hopefully that's not the case this year. What's it going to take to win? What's, what's been, you've been second through on three different occasions, but what's it going to take to get that title? Oh, I, I've always come in with, you know, having to make up a lot of ground, you know, first place has got 40, 50,000 on me. And, uh, and I've, I've closed the gap uh, substantially the last couple of years. But now uh, this year I'm the guy that's got the big lead. And I don't know, just consistency, just making good rides, uh, doing what you got control of, um, you know, not making a big deal out of the situations and just rolling on. You do it, you do. That's what got you here. And uh, look, we were talking before, and uh, and I think it was Jeremy, you were asking asking Zeke about the the horsepower compared to, from here to the states and how it differs throughout throughout the season and how you guys were talking about that. I thought that was interesting across events. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's everything's improving so much throughout rodeo. Um, like my dad, he rodeoed for um, a long time. had a, had a good career. Made the you know the NFR six times, CFR multiple times, and um, I watch old tapes of him. And you watch the bucking horses; they all just clatter down the arena and. Like they wouldn't even come close to getting picked to go to any finals nowadays. And, um, you know, Canada has been known for, uh, kind of creating the born to buck program, uh, producing great, great bucking horses, big bucking horses, got bone to them that can take the haul and take, take the abuse and, uh, last a long time. And, um, pretty grateful to, to, you know, learn, learn to ride Bronx in a country that has that, you know, quality of stock. Um, no different for these guys that you know the the horses that they're riding now are are way better than they were 20 years ago and um you know i it's getting to where i can make a living right with my bronc saddle and and they can make a living with the rope and uh, i think that's pretty cool i think it's only going to go up from here speaking of horses let's talk about what you guys are riding this week just give us a rundown on the horses you you brought this week here to the canadian finals start with you jeremy uh i just brought one uh he's an eight-year-old gelding um i call him pork chop He's been, he's, uh, since I retired my Dunn horse a couple of years ago, um, he's sort of been between hay and grass and I cracked him out of the finals last year and he did really well. And then this year it was all, uh, pretty much just turnkey, get on and go. So he's, he's the only one I have right now, but I've got, uh, four or five other ones that are, you know, coming along pretty good. What's it take to get a horse at, to this level? It's gotta be a lot of work or you gotta spend a lot of money. 
Yeah, and and even if you do spend a lot of money, that that's no guarantee that they're going to be the, you know, the perfect fit. Um, the Dunn horse that I had, I think I gave seventy five hundred bucks for him, and I mean, he made my career. You know, um, won a lot on him. You know, um, so I think that just goes to show you you can give a lot of money for the right kind of horse, but at the end of the day, it still has to have the right fit. But um, making them that that's a whole different it's a whole different ball game you you got to borderline be obsessed with it it's not like a okay well we're gonna rope twice this week and hopefully it comes along like you know uh my girlfriend and the people i'm with they can they can vouch for it it's an every single day on those green ones going back and forth okay i think he's gonna be good enough okay but i don't know if i like this and it's just it's kind of got to you got to be really passionate about it or you're gonna burn out in a hurry if you're making your own that's where having this added payout at a rodeo like this, or like Levi, you won thirty grand the other day in Oklahoma. Being able to win this kind of money and compete for this kind of money on a on a normal basis, it makes it viable for you guys to do this. Yeah, absolutely. To to have the the events and the platforms for us to compete for this kind of money now. Last year, like Jeremy said, we won fifty three or four thousand it up here, and then um, yeah, last week at a jackpot in Oklahoma, thirty thousand to win that. I mean, that goes a long ways now um, as far as trying to make a living roping because anymore, like if you're the time and the effort that goes into making one of your own, um, if you're looking to buy one of them nowadays, guys are pricing them anywhere from 50 to a hundred plus thousand dollars. So not only making a living, you're going to have to win a lot of money just just to keep yourself in that kind of horsepower if, you know, if you don't have the time or can't uh, make your own, but. Um, this week I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to ride, uh, my old faithful horse again. Uh, his name's Fraser. He's 24 years old this year. Um, this will be his 11th finals as well. Um, so far I think I've, you know, I've been to 10 finals, which is 60 steers. He's run 57 of them. So I've only roped three steers on something else at these finals. So, um, I'm blessed to have that horse still, still kicking and and doing his best job for me. And hopefully, uh, he can bring me some, uh, fortune this week. With that horse being 24 years old, you were born in 87. So how long have you had him? You would have got him when you are maybe like 10 or so? Yeah, I, I bought the horse when he was four years old. So I've had the horse in my possession for 20 years. Um, as a four-year-old, we, we started him healing and calf roping a little bit. And uh, like I competed on him in high school rodeo. And, and uh, everything since then, he's been kind of the go-to for everything. And um, his his career is pretty small right now he lives at Cooley equine stays in shape and stays uh, at his best so that whenever i do need him he's ready for me to use so does he end up only going to a few places now where do, what would his, his schedule look like at 24 yeah his schedule like in the past year um normally I, he just goes to the small buildings um he went to maybe eight rodeos this year uh one jackpot i did ride him at medicine hat the jackpot over there and uh, got the win on him there too as well so um, but other than that, yeah, he just, he stays in shape year round so that he doesn't age too bad. And, um, as long as he's in shape, he's been healthy and sound. And now I, uh, have the opportunity to ride him again at the finals here and hopefully do some good. Hopefully get that fifth Canadian title. That would be the idea. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, Jerry, I want to go back to you. We talked about all three of you being, uh, being world champions. You were a world champion before you were a Canadian champion. I just want to touch on that a little bit. Yeah, that was uh that was crazy. That was something that um 
whenever it happened, it wasn't something that I thought of. And then somebody said it and, and it was kind of like, uh, I think it just kind of goes to show you how, uh, you know, you can get on a roll and things go your way. And I mean, you know, I'd, I'd always, I'd honestly never really planned on winning a world championship, which sounds bad, but I think that it's so, so challenging to do that. My goal was always to make it to the finals. I always wanted to win a Canadian title and thought that I would one day. But, uh, yeah, after I won the world, it, it dang sure I was, um, and a little fire. I really wanted to win Canada after that. And then luckily the year after we did. And won again last year as well. Yeah, last year was about as, uh, you know, storybook of a finals as you can have. It was, I think I roped a leg on the first year. And then after that, it was, uh, yeah, it was lights out. It was good. And then you guys uh, chose to go different ways at the end of last year, beginning of, of, uh, of 2019. Let's just talk about that a little bit on, on, the, on the change in, in roping partners. I just wanna, I'm curious about that a little bit. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we roped together for four years. We never had a crossword. We were never upset. It was, uh, you know, I thought we were a really great team. But, um, you know, last year was kind of a struggle. It, I think that you can almost rope with the same guy for so long that it gets to the point where, um, you know, I don't know, it's hard to explain. I know that uh, I feel like since we've done something different, I think that, you know, roping with a different guy, you know, it, it changes you, it gives you different viewpoints. You start, uh, you know, focusing on different things where I think you kind of end up when you're roping with the same guy every year, you're kind of like in the same groove all the time. And I, I think that it's a important thing for growing and learning and getting better is to, you know, rope with someone else. And then I think it sort of well rounds your game a little bit better. Oh, I want to talk to, uh, I want to go to back to you here, Zeke. We kind of left you sitting for a while, but <laughs> you, uh, were 94 points this year in Pollockville on, uh, special delivery, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So 94 points, that's only one point off of the world record. And those other two 95s also happened in Canada. And there was a guy this summer, Mr. Doug Vold. Tell us about the story there. That was in Regina, wasn't it? He was telling you that, that you should have been a few more points yeah, that day? Yeah, Doug, he is um, one of the record holders. He was 95, and uh, I think it was Coronation back in the 80s on a horse called Transport. Um, and uh, when Doug heard I was 94, almost got his record, he, he was talking a lot of smack. And But it's probably <laughs> a good thing they didn't let me be 95 or 96, 95 and a half beat his record. It, uh, probably would have broke his spirits pretty bad, but <laughs> he's living 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 high on that accomplishment. But no, it uh, really good horse at Calgary's. I actually just got on him here the other day in North Dakota at a bronc match, and uh, it's typically a bareback horse and um, stud horse. Really bucks hard. Uh, they put him in the bronc riding, and he's he's an awesome bronc. I think he's going to stay there for a while. But he, uh, yeah, it's it was his. You know, one of them, one of them horses you, you you can't wait to get on. Levi, I want to go back to you with these four different Canadian titles. Which one's been your favorite so far? Which one stands out the most to you in those in those four different instances? Well, I mean, that'd be it'd be hard to separate them. They all mean a lot to me. Each time that you can uh, come to a Canadian finals and compete against the field of guys that you do that that are here and and be able to come out on top, winning a, a Canadian title, um, it means a lot to me. The the first one in 2011 was was an awesome experience. I mean, growing up, that's kind of my dream was always to win a Canadian title. So to be able to do that in the the first time 2011 was awesome. Um, 
I would say, like Jeremy said earlier, last year was probably one of the most storybook ones that we could have had. Um, our regular season wasn't very good. We struggled through the year. Um, uh, came down literally to the last rodeo and about 50 bucks to whether or not Jerry was even going to get to come. Um, so just to, just to compete here last year was amazing for both of us. And then to be able to have the finals that we did um, to go out on top like that and and secure a, a Canadian title two in a row. I think that's only been done once before in the team album as well. So some of those things are that really stand out to me. It's it's amazing to have those accomplishments and and to have done that with Jeremy has been awesome as well. Jerry, speaking of that, let's go back to the early part of your career. You said you rode the same horse the entire time. And 2009, you were in the World Series of Team Rope. And talk about how much that jump-started your career and put set you on the path to be a professional roper. Uh, that win was pretty much everything. Um, I don't know if I would have been sort of catapulted into a career in roping if, it, if that wouldn't have came along. Um, I know a lot of times when someone gets a big hit like that, they're like, man, I needed the money. But like, I really needed the money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a... Like, how broke were you? Let's get into that a little bit further. I swear on everything, no exaggeration, I had $40 in my account. 40 bucks. Yeah. And if, then you go to Vegas and you win 100,000 US. Yeah, 109 US. Yeah, I had to, I had to cash one of the round checks to get home. And I mean, it was... It was dramatic that way, but I I was roping with my big brother there, you know what I mean? And that's, you know, your family. So I knew that it, I'd be able to get back home one way or the other. So it's not like I was going to be sleeping in the streets, but just that went alone. I mean, I went from not having a trailer, having one horse in a 96 Dodge that, you know, to being able to buy a couple more horses and the right saddles and a trailer. And it just kind of set me up where I could jackpot that whole year. Um you know, being 22 years old, winning 109 grand where I'd never had any money before. I thought I'd never see another poor day. <laughs> and that that lesson was probably the biggest, best thing that ever happened to me. I think I burnt through that money in about a year and a half. There was <laughs> nothing left of it. And, uh, you know, after that, getting the, you know, the big hits like at the finals that year and even the Canadian finals last year, is that uh, it changes the way that you look at it. And lets you be a little bit smarter with it financially after you've kind of learned a few lessons the hard way. And, uh, and, but you, you didn't have any left, but you had a new truck, you had a decent trailer. Like you kind of, you probably invested some in a, in a horse, in horses. Like it was, you had a few things to look back at. Yeah. And that's what I always kind of laugh about out of the, out of all that money. I think I spent 3000 on a little sorrel mare and, uh, you know, I rode her and then I ended up selling her. And then th that's kind of how I justified keeping the money in circulation. I sold her and did real good on her. So it kind of kept the... <laughs> kept things rolling but yeah mostly that uh you know the most valuable thing i got from that win probably probably was blowing that money and like learning that you learning know, the money management learning the money management end of it well it's kind of like i was reading a story on the nhl guys and their salaries and how much they actually get to keep and how some of them they'll sign a big contract and then they'll burn through it all it's kind of a similar thing as your first big win and you go and spend through a bunch of it but but like you said you learned a bunch from that yeah exactly and you know it's it's no different. I think a lot of those professional sports, even football, stuff like that. And, and I mean, rodeoing is a little bit different because we don't just graduate high school or graduate university. And then next thing you know, you have 10 million. So it, it hurts a little bit more whenever you do burn through that money because January 1st rolls around. It's not like you're getting that check again for, for your yearly contract. But, but yeah, it's a totally similar deal. I think everybody, uh, you know, you just got to 
go through it and the growing pains, same deal. Best lessons are usually, you know, the ones that hurt the most. You know? <laughs> Very true. Well, and some of the best memories I'm thinking, I want to go back to Vegas in 2016, that night you guys all won. I'd been working as media for, I think it was my seventh NFR by that time, but we were in there and usually it's really quiet. You're not supposed to say anything. And then as soon as you guys win, it's just total chaos and everybody's chucking woos everywhere you look. Like it was just total chaos. It was awesome. That was thanks to Casper Roy. Casper, yeah, I was gonna say it's his fault. But it was like everybody was. I think I got a few in there by the by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, that that's how it was. Casper's uh, been my best friend for a long time. You know, he was in that practice pen every day with me for the ten years prior to that. It was it was a huge deal. But yeah, they probably needed a a sensor <laughs> a sensor <laughs> there for the yelling and the words and stuff like that. But it was, I mean, it was it was cool. You look back, and that's that's some of the funnest parts about it. Oh yeah. Well, and I think I think that I might have saw every one of you guys cry that night, and your family was there too. And it was like, what stands out the most for you though, from that evening? Like, what do you remember most from when, from that night? Uh, probably the funniest thing, and they actually made a rule about it at the finals now. Um, how they it put be- everybody back behind the shoots whenever they walk you out to get your gold buckle or whatever. Yeah, they got like the smoke deal running, and and it's dark, it's blacked out or whatever. Well, all of a sudden, uh, my girlfriend Katie comes running through the smoke, like from the arena into from- the back where everybody's at. Security guards chasing her, get her, get her. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> and what had happened was my older brother Justin and Casper actually, you know, being all buzzed up, they threw her into the arena. You got to get back there. <laughs> oh no! So now I think it's like a fifteen hundred dollar fine or something for that. Really? So that was sort of the that stands out as one of the funnier deals to me. Oh wow! What about you, Zeke? Oh, it, that was, it was just a, a good moment, you know, uh, like you said, for Canadian rodeo and, and, uh, that's, uh, that's the Super Bowl of our sport at, uh, a pretty emotional time because that's, uh, that's, uh, I mean, that's the peak. That's the pinnacle of, of what we do. And, uh, it was pretty awesome just to just share it with these guys and, and family and just, uh, you know, we're, we're riding and roping for a whole country and not just a state, you know, uh, it's, uh, kind of special. Uh, my daddy come down there. He, he, you know, my daddy knows what it takes. He, he rodeoed f- for a long time and, and, uh, made the finals a lot and had a sec- successful career. And, uh, he, he said, uh, I, I may not have been a world champion, but I raised one. And that was, that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I remember that being one of the, one of the highlights when, cause I think we were both, I was close by and I overheard it. And it was, then he broke down. Like it was, it was one of the coolest things that I remember from that. I remember from Jeremy, you, you staring at the buckle. And that ended up being a picture that the Team Roping Journal picked up that was kind of iconic from that year, I thought, just being so enthralled with winning that, that gold buckle, something you've dreamed of forever. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was just a, it was a special good night for sure. Levi, what about yourself? Yeah, same thing. I mean, <clears throat> to, to have that accomplishment there, um, the greatest thing for me was to have my family there. And my, uh, I think Annie was my daughter at the time, was only. She was born in February, so she wasn't even a year old yet. And to share that experience with my family and, and having them there was awesome. I remember uh, they, uh, they're they pretty quick to try to whisk me off back to Ted, back to the uh, media back there. And I, yeah. had to, I had to actually stop the lady and make her give me my phone. Uh, the first thing I did <laughs> was call my wife that was in the stands and uh, call her and told her what you know that we wanted or whatever. And and then uh, by the time we got to the media rooms, uh, it took us, I don't know, it probably took me 20 minutes before I could even talk to anybody. I was <laughs> so emotional, I couldn't say anything. And uh, 
Now, I still remember the moment. Um, I don't know about Jerry, but both of us, I don't think we believed we even won it until um, yeah. in our interview that we thought was for winning the average. Really? They they said to us, they're like, no, no, you won the world and we're on in like three, two, one. <laughs> and uh, so wow. I have that video saved on my phone. It's kind of funny to watch all the time because <laughs> they they pretty much, Katie Kaufman pretty much told us right there that uh, we had officially won the world. We just thought we were getting interviewed for the average. So that uh, that one stands out a little bit because, uh, you know, it got me pretty choked up in the interview and was uh, pretty tough to, to speak. But uh, having my family there and, and sharing that moment with them is, I mean, it's something I'll have with me for the rest of my life that uh what what did your face look like at that moment when you were like i'm a world champ like what what did what did what did that look like um you have it on your phone i'm kind of curious yeah, I, what it i, I like. might have to get that to you it's pretty, <laughs> pretty much instant shock and i think i just looked at bueller and was like i, I hope you can speak <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible that was i just i couldn't believe the night like the night before we were looking at the numbers and everything and you guys were all all three of you were really long shots technically, right? Like you had moved up to, uh, like Zeke, you were about, where were you? Fourth, fifth, sixth. Like it was, you're a ways out. Know. You don't know. Yeah. And you guys were, you guys were all a ways off. Like stuff had to fall exactly right. A couple guys missed out horses for you. Like yep. it all worked just right. And it was just so cool. Yeah. Leading up to that night. Uh, I mean like even the night before or the, that day of the rodeo, I mean, in the conversation, we weren't even in it of the, not, not, of the potentials. None of you. They they never you know they show all the guys that they project to win or all that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I never seen either one of us, and I remember being back uh, once you're in the media room, you don't really get to see any of the rest of it. And um, Jerry and I were celebrating, and there was lots of chaos going on. And then all of a sudden, Zeke just pops out of nowhere, holding the gold buckle. And we're like, "Holy crap, you won yeah. it too!" Like, <laughs> you know, that's that's when we kind of had a bunch of more chuck and woos, and oh and, yeah, uh, it was pretty cool to see Zeke come back there with it because. Like I said, we don't get to see the rodeo or even hear it once you're back in that media room. Yeah, so. you, there's it's on a few TVs, but it's kind of like once you guys are talking to everyone because you got to do a thousand interviews that night and talk to every single person. It's kind of yeah, you don't get to see it. That was yeah, because I think I was almost talking to you guys when Zeke won. By the time we actually got to visit with you, you had won the world too. It was yeah, way cool. Something I'll never forget. So I'm glad I'm happy for you guys to be here today. Thanks for all showing up this morning and and being here on the show. Well. We've got a few minutes left here. Where I just want to finish off with a couple, couple quick pieces. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask Levi and Jer and uh, Jeremy here: you guys both have brothers that rope too. Why don't you guys rope with your brothers? Or you could probably do a little bit, but but how? What, let's go into that a bit. Um, I actually did rope with my brother. Uh, he cracked me out. He'd made it to the CFR before me, and uh, so I roped with him for. I think two years and, and I'm pretty thankful for that because it's, uh, you know, it can be a tough deal out here. I've been really lucky with some of the partners that I've had, but when you're a guy that's green, just starting out and learning the ins and outs and making dumb mistakes, it's, it's pretty special whenever, um, you know, you are open with your brother. And, and even if you do make the most retarded mistake ever, they're usually pretty forgiving and like, you know, or mine always was. Um, and then after that, I remember it, it kind of came down to it where I was craving rodeo and down South. I wanted to, you know, be all in and, and with him, he kind of had other things on the go. He had, you know, a wife and a house and, and you know what I mean? He just, he wasn't really wanting to go down that road. So it was sort of one of those deals where we said, all right, well, we still joke all the time that we're, you know, still gonna, still gonna rope together or switch ends or, or do whatever. Cause those were some really good years, but that, that's sort of the main thing I think is, um, 
he just he just wasn't really craving being home all all summer long or whatever, which to me is totally understandable, and and I respect that he wanted to stay home and kind of take care of business and stuff. Yeah, and uh, my story is actually kind of the same. Um, when I first started my pro rodeo career, I was roping with my brother. Um, at the time, though, I was healing. Okay. Uh, I started off the year in 2008 healing for my brother, um, which doesn't go very well on my behalf. <laughs> it uh, didn't take me long to realize that I'm not a very good rodeo healer. So um, I think just after Pinocchio, we actually decided to switch ends and I started heading for him. And uh, we actually had a pretty decent year. Um, as far as that, we, we really didn't miss the finals by that much. Um, but at the time, we both had... You know, I wanted to head because I sucked at healing, and uh, he had two really good head horses and and some good options to for healers. So, the the next year we both both moved on and went to heading. So that's kind of why we had separated a little bit there. But um, I've always still kind of roped with him now at the jackpots because he's back to healing now. And uh, actually, funny enough, the Clint and Chase are roping together. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> this past year, yeah. So. They uh they had a good season in the CCA finals and and not too bad at showing the parodios this year. So I don't know if they're going to continue that partnership, but it uh, was kind of interesting that they were up together. It's kind of funny. There's still a Bueller Simpson team out oh, there. Oh yeah. Okay, uh, we got. Uh, we'll finish things up here. I just want to ask you guys one more question. The Alberta High School Rodeo Association booths right here over behind us. And Jerry, you didn't go to the Alberta High School rodeos, but you would have went in BC, right? Yeah, um, I rodeoed for two years in the, in the high school. school rodeos in BC. Yeah. So those probably weren't your first rodeos, but I just want to go back to how your rodeo story began. Like, where, Zeke, let's start with you. Where was the first one? How'd you get going from from the first one to the world champ? I just want to hear where the first one was. Oh, I, I just kind of come up through it like any other uh, rodeo kid would. I was uh, raised in a rodeo family, both sides of my family. Um uh, deep rodeo roots and uh, like I said my daddy that's you know what he did when he was my age and and uh, was good at it and that's all I can ever remember wanting to do uh, we started you know we just tortured all the bucket calves rode them rode sheep you know um, you know we we rode a lot you know horseback lots just um, helping my dad you know move cows and um, work cattle and stuff and uh, that's just what started roping I guess a little bit when I was probably you know 10 or so and then we went to a few junior rodeos and then uh, just kind of went through the stepping stones, I guess. I rode, I rode steers, um, won a Canadian title doing that. And then, um, you know, I just moved on to novice bronc riding and high school rodeoing. And um, I did a lot of events in high school. I roped calves, team roped, uh, rode bulls, rode broncs, uh, won a lot of all-arounds and, and things like that. And uh, went to the high school finals, uh, the nationals every year, I think, and at least a couple events. And um, yeah, then I went to college for a couple of years. I kind of picked my favorite events. I team roped and roped calves and uh, uh, rode broncs and um, had had a lot of success there. I uh, ended up not winning the college title, but uh, uh, the reserve by half a point to a good friend, Coburn Bradshaw, who's um, he's an amazing bronc rider, great guy. And uh, so that was a lot of fun, uh, kind of you know, ride against, ride against uh, guys that you're riding against now, and uh, and just rolled on in my rookie year, and away we went. Mm-hmm. Well, Jerry, let's go to you first. First rodeo, where did it all start for you? Uh, mine was a little bit different than than most other people. Uh, I'm not one that was really raised in a rodeo family. Uh, 
my parents were always interested in sort of like riding horses and stuff like that. And mine actually kind of came down to, it's funny when you think back sort of the random things that happen that lead you down different paths. But my mom was actually working at a grocery store and a guy wearing a cowboy hat walked through a till and he was going roping and she just kind of asked him about it or whatever. And he said, yeah, you guys should come check it out. And I mean, we went and we uh, went and watched the roping. And then next thing you know, I mean, that year for Christmas, my dad made us a roping dummy and that's sort of where I think I learned how to time steers. He had it set up with a rope where he pulled the feet and went back and forth. And, and I mean, I was probably, uh, seven or eight years old at that point in time. And then after that, I mean, it was just obsession kind of took over it. Um, you know, always just kind of found a way to stick together with my brothers and, you know, cross paths with a lot of good people that all helped us out in different ways and kind of like, you know, mushed us along till we got to where we were now. But I, so if I was eight or nine, then I probably started going to like little britches rodeos and stuff when I was, I don't know, 12 or 13. And then same high school rodeo a couple of years. And then, uh, yeah, after that, just kind of jackpotting and stuff till I went to college. And then, and then there like college, I mean, I was sort of a late bloomer as far as roping goes. I was still pretty low numbered when I was 18 or 19 years old, but uh, college was the first place where I could rope every single day and was actually like expected to rope every single day. And once I kind of got that structure and got to work at it like that, I just, the obsession level just was huge. Levi, let's finish with you and we'll wrap up uh, the show here. Yeah, <clears throat> my my rodeo career, uh, same. I grew up in a family that uh, they never really rodeoed much. My grandpa and my dad both team roped a lot and when they were when they were young, they high school rodeo and stuff like that. But um, then they were both uh, guide outfitters and stuff. So I grew up around riding horses and all that stuff a lot. And then, but I actually I went a different route for a long time. I played hockey and and did all that stuff until I was about thirteen. And then um, the turning point was my brother was into team roping and roping a lot. And he uh, he had been amateur rodeo and started a pro rodeo a little bit when he got into high school and. Um, he was winning money and I was playing hockey not. So I decided I'd better go join him play team roping. And, uh, so I started <clears throat> team roping a little bit. And then my first rodeos would have been, uh, the Schnook Rodeo Association. I, you know, started breakaway roping when I was 13 and, uh, made the Schnook finals a few times doing that. And then, uh, just progressed through the jackpots and team roping world to, uh, I amateur rodeoed probably for about a year. And then I figured I'd try the pro rodeos out and, uh, and from there, <clears throat> went from there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks you guys for being here again today. This was uh, great to reunite the three of you. We haven't, uh, I don't know if we've done that ever since that night in Vegas. So I appreciate you guys for all being here. Thanks for being on the first show, the first uh, first athlete hot stove here at the Canadian finals. And, and my first rodeo story actually was in Edmonton in 2002. I went and watched, or it was 2001. I went and watched the CFR and I told my dad that I wanted to be a steer rider at the finals the next year. So that's I kind of grew up around it a little bit, but that's that's how I got my start. I didn't really turn out as an athlete, but uh, but uh, but still cool to still be involved. So thanks for letting me be a part of it this way, guys. So yeah, now I'm Jasper, right? I said on one time, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. And awesome. Hopefully, we can come back. Hey, good luck tonight. I guess Flint has his show in Vegas, and this is he has a lucky couch. So hopefully, this is like see you guys all win the round tonight be ideal we'll see you tomorrow morning yeah sounds good yeah we'll see you in the media room after the perf <laughs> sounds good guys all right this has been the athlete hot stove for day one at cfr 46